This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That to welcome a former Sunderland, Stoke City, Middlesbrough and Huddersfield Town footballer to the show. He also played for Oxford United, that's where he made his name. He's been in coaching as well at Shrewsbury Town and I'm sure he'll be desperate to, to get back into the game but we'll have to ask him to find out. Dean Whitehead, thank you so much for joining me. No problem, thanks for having me. I mentioned there that you were recently coaching as the assistant manager at Shrewsbury Town Describe the the experience that you had at Shrewsbury because it was a it was an an interesting period of time. There was the the cup run, of course. What what, what was it like overall? Yeah, it was um, a, an incredible learning curve for me um, in terms of everything that goes on behind behind the scenes. Rather than I'm always used to doing it on the pitch and, and worrying about myself and how I prepare and and ultimately how I how I play on a weekend, but Having having seen what goes on, you know, for what the manager goes through, how many different things he's got to got to sort out, and especially at a, at a League One level, um, where you haven't got you haven't got five, six, seven, eight, ten staff members. You, there's three or four of you that kind of work around the clock to try and get everything everything in place, and and I think with with Sam at the time, he he was dealing with trying to get in groundsmen, trying to get in um, equipment, trying to evolve the club, which which since he he first went there, um, I think he's done a, a, a magnificent job at doing that and building a squad and recruitment. You know, it, there's lots and lots of different things you go into without even talking about what's your team like, what what's the sessions, what how are we going to play, you know. So there's lots of... Lots of really, really interesting learnings for for me over the past over the past year. And in terms of those learning experiences, you, you've mentioned the fact that they stand you in good stead. If you had to pick a particular highlight from your coaching career so far, what would it be? I think um, I think the highlights are always um, seeing players getting better, um, improving them daily. Um, Young players are obviously really receptive to learning and to improving, and and, and it it's basically it's told me that older players are very very much very much the same. Um, yes, they haven't got the the longevity of, a, of an 18, 19, 20 year old, but they still really tap into the learning, tap into the analysis, what we're trying to ask them to do, and you know I can't I can't speak highly enough of the of the group of players that. Obviously, the manager bought in into Shrewsbury that how they they really they really dive into to what you want them to do and and really have a go every single day to to do that. To rewind back to to your playing career, I mentioned Oxford United, but before we talk about going to Oxford and making your name there, you you also were at Abingdon Town, I believe, for a while, which was a local non non league club to you. Yeah, I was, I was in I was at Abingdon Town, Abingdon Town when I was a young boy. So uh, that was probably from under what that been under sevens, eights, nines, tens, whatever the age group that, that I got to when I was at Oxford. And I couldn't play for both, and that was when I stopped playing for them. Um, I'd, I'd play for for one on a Saturday and one on a Sunday. Um, and just yeah, local team. I could just walk. I could walk over to the to the grass pitches and, and go and play. Um, which you know you can't you can't beat those days really. You you mentioned getting in at Oxford United. What's it like when you go in there initially as a younger player, hoping to to, to make your way in the game? Yeah, you. I mean, at, at the time when we when we signed YTS, it's obviously different now. It's scholarships now, but. We'll, there was only three of us that got picked out for for YTS at my age, and and I wasn't the best. I wasn't the best of of the three of us. Um, 
but I think I think attitude, hard work, um, working on your weaknesses, but really, really homing in on your strengths as well. Um, and obviously, it is it's daunting. Yeah, it is daunting. It's my local my local club. Um, I didn't feel under any pressure to to play for them, but you put that kind of pressure on yourself to to try and do that. And uh, you know, it's not an easy process, but it's. Uh, you know, it's a very rewarding one. When you start training with the first team at Oxford, what was that experience like? Because I always imagine as a as a young player, there are, are established pros that are in the first team that have maybe got 300 league appearances under their belt. Who did you look up to when you started training? I think I think you always, when, when, you, when you first go in as a young player, you always kind of look towards the, the players that are almost in your position. And I think at the time it was... I think it was Martin Gray, Bobby Ford, um, Dave Smith. I think it was. Um, I think I think you kind of try and copy them a little bit, um, but respect them. But I I was never one for giving too much respect when I went out training. Um, I'd always try and be as good as I can without being too, you know, over the top. But I'd always want to try and leave my stamp on it a little bit to, to say, okay. Well, this kid's this kid's got got something to offer. You make your debut in the the football league trophy against Luton Town. What was that experience like from your perspective, especially when you found out that you were going to be play, play, playing a professional game for the first time? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was nerve wracking. Um, you know, lo- local club, local boy, um, feeling on top of the world at this point. Um, not knowing if I could handle it, not knowing what's going to happen, um, how I would react when I got on the pitch. But as soon as you got, as soon as I got on the pitch, I just, I just felt, just felt normal for me. Um, which I'm, I'm sure it does a lot of players. But um, yeah, proud moment. But um, you know, uh, a really proud moment for my family as well. You very quickly progress at Oxford United. You, you break into the team. You're playing week in, week out. You're there for a number of seasons. You win the club's player, player of the year award, which which is always a good sign that you're you're doing well. How do you reflect on Oxford over the piece? Um, I reflect on um, on it as I should have played more. I felt like I was good enough to play more. Um, I think Ian Atkins at the time when I was kind of breaking through it and, and kind of feeding like people wanted me in the team, you know, um, you'd, you'd read stories and, and stuff about me, about me playing. I just felt that I could play more. Um, they kind of went for more experience rather than, rather than youth at the time, which, which I, I understand, but uh, I felt that I was, I was good enough to, to be a regular, whether that's arrogance, probably, probably a little bit. Some people might think that, but, I just felt that I was good enough to to play in the team regularly. You, you felt that you weren't good enough. You, you you won the Player of the Year award, as I mentioned. Towards the end of your time at the club, the, the opportunity is there for you to leave on a free transfer, and and there's a lot of interest in you. Obviously, Sunderland is the club that you that you choose to join. How did you handle that interest at, at the age you were at? Because I imagine when you are playing in the lower leagues and there's championship clubs, the size of Sunderland showing an interest, does it, I imagine it could affect you slightly. Yeah, it, it, it could do. Um, I, I remember the going into my last um, year of my contract when we, we had, we had three pre-season games, really, really, really good games. We had, we played Southampton at home. We had um, uh, Chelsea at home. And I can't think of the other one, but in those two particular games, I played really well. I, 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 scored, in, I scored in both. And all of a sudden, people started talking. People were, you know, um, kind of touting me around different clubs. And as the season progressed again, you know, I started okay. Um, playing well, playing quite regular at this point. And, and then I had interest from bigger clubs, um, bigger clubs in the, in, in the, in the Premier League. And you, you, look, you can take your eye off the ball. You can say, what if this, what if that? But, you know, I, I wasn't stupid enough at the time to, to think, oh yeah, I can go and walk into, into Liverpool, no problem. Um, 
but uh, and also it's speculation speculation nobody knows whether it's true or whether it's not um but I just had to keep my head down and I, and I always thought right I'm going to run out my contract and then I'm going to see what happens yes it's risky it's risky because injuries are part, are part of part of football um so I let my contract run out um and at the time it was it was Graham Ricks in charge and I'd have a, I'd have a decent enough season and whether whether I, I was that good in that season, I don't know. But I always felt that I could I could get a move. And being a lo- local boy, it was da- it was daunting to think. Right, I think it's time to leave. Obviously, my family never wanted me to leave. It was brilliant for them just around the corner, go and watch me 10, 20 minutes up the road. But I wasn't I wasn't happy with that. I didn't want to settle for that. I wanted a challenge. I wanted I wanted something new and. Graham Ricks at the time pulled me in the office and offered me the the, the, the best contract that he's ever offered a young player at this club. Um, and I said, okay, I'll go, I'll, I'll go home, think about it. Um, went in the next day and, and, and said, sorry, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna reject the contract and I'm gonna, I'm gonna explore other challenges. Um, other, cha- other challenges, obviously, as you as you mentioned, come up. And w- when did you initially hear of Sunderland's interest, and how did it make you feel? Because as a, as I referenced earlier, a massive, massive football club. Yeah, well, I'd I'd already been to, been and spoken to Gordon Strachan at Coventry. I've been in his office. I, you know, I with my dad, I, I spoke to him about about going to Coventry at Barnsley at the time. I think they were. Can't remember if they were championship. I think they were championship at the time, and the poor heart. Um, so I knew I knew I had those two. And I can't remember where I was driving back from. I was driving back from somewhere, and my phone went, and it was Mick McCarthy. I was, I was expecting it to be my agent, really, but it was Mick McCarthy. Um, I was like, Jesus, what's going on here? Um, and obviously, he he um, he sold the the club to me and. To be fair, I didn't really have to. I mean, the size of it is huge. They just come down from the Premier League. They said they were rebuilding, um, getting rid of all the big earners, and and having a go with with some talented players from the lower leagues. And I was like, okay, this is, I think this is this is me. So I quickly, quickly, obviously got home and spoke to, well, I didn't speak to my dad. I told my dad what I'm doing. Um, I'm 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 going to go to Sunderland. Um, so I think I went up there the next day and the rest is history, I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely. And and when you go to a club like Sunderland, the, the dressing room that you go into had a, an interesting mix of experienced players. You had the likes of Gary Breen at the club, um, you had Mark Pooman yeah. goal, but then you had sort of younger players like yourself. Kevin Kyle was there at the time. Uh, Liam Lawrence yeah. is another player who, who's had a great career who was there too. What, what, what was Stevie that dressing Elliot. room? What was yeah. that dressing room like? Because when you look at that Sunderland season, when you go in, the club wins the championship, and and, and that is a a, t- a very tough league to win. So, what was it about that group that made it special that year? I think I think a lot a lot is down to to Mick McCarthy. Um, he likes honest players who who have a a work ethic. We might not have been the best group of players in terms of talent, which not might we wasn't. But we had a togetherness and a, and a work rate and a work ethic that, you know, we'd fight through brick walls for each other. And for me, going into that dressing room at that point of my career, I didn't have a clue whether I'd be good enough, whether I, whether I'd settle in, whether I'd be good enough, whether they'd think I was good enough. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really care. I, I just, I just felt like this is the challenge. This is what I wanted. I, I've, I've let go of my local team where I could have easily sat there in my comfort zone for three, four, five year deal would have been an easy life. But I didn't want that. I wanted, I wanted a challenge and I wanted to, to test, test myself a bit and going into that dressing room with big characters, like, uh, like you say, Brini, who, who, who was excellent with me the whole time. Um, and from, from, from the day one, um, I think in, in my position, there was Carl Robinson, there was Jeff Whitley, um, might have been one or two others. Um, Sean Thornton was there at the time. Um, so they so they all thought, right, I'm coming in from the lower league. He, he ain't gonna be too much of a problem. We you know, he's not gonna threaten my place, but I certainly did. 
<laughs> well, you talk about going from lower league. You go from what what is now known as League Two to the Championship. You score five goals that season. The club goes up as champions. You get voted as Players Player of the Year. The perfect season, really, to start when you look back. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't. I, I don't. You couldn't. I couldn't have dreamt of it any better. Really. Um, I remember I didn't play the first game. Um, I think I come on as sub against Coventry. Actually, maybe ten minutes. And then he left me out of the midweek game. I think we played crew at home. And that was a difficult moment for me, Move, moving away. Um, my wife, my wife now come with me. Um, so it was just me, me and her. And, and I think I went home that, that night and this, I said, yeah, I'm not sure if this is for me. I'm not, I'm not sure if, if, you know, I've made the right choice. Um, but then obviously the weekend after that, I've gone from not being in the squad to playing. And I think from from that day onwards, I think I've I think I started every single game uh, for the rest of the season, and we ended up with a with a championship title. Given your journey, the fact that you were in League Two with Oxford, was it was it hard to get your head around that you were now going to become a Premier League footballer? Yeah, it was actually. It was it was quite surreal for for a long for a long spell, um, but again. Another challenge, another hurdle to cross, another question mark. Who out of out of us young lads, you know, we're a lot of young lads who have a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, but at the time we were we weren't good enough for the Premier League. Well, that's what we thought, but you know, when you you can achieve anything if you if you work hard and, and learn and listen and take on instructions and Yes, it wasn't a great season for us, but we gained lots and lots and lots of experience of of how to play in the Premier League. It was a very tough Premier League season for the club as a whole. For you, there was a few positional changes that season as well as, as Mick McCarthy tried yeah. to, to get the best out of the group. And, and as I say, what was a tough season? One of the highlights of that season, I do have to ask you about the goal against Tottenham. Must have been incredible, especially scoring at White Hart Lane. Yeah, that yeah, that was nice. Yeah, my my boys like that one as well. Um, uh, then they're nine and ten, so obviously, unfortunately, they 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 wouldn't wouldn't have been there to see it, but they've seen it since. And uh, you know, it's, I think it's one of those, and it you think right, I might as well have a pop here, and and it ends up in the in the top corner. But you know, they're 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 really good moments you can you can look back on and reminisce a little bit. A tough season sees the club uh, relegated, which is never a, a, a good thing to, to have, of course. But the club goes down, they start adjusting and changing things behind the scenes. And and I've, I've got to ask you, I've spoken to Tommy Miller and obviously I'm assuming his yeah. reaction will be different to yours. But what was your reaction when, when Roy Keane arrived as Sunderland manager? Well, but just before that, going before that, I think we were five games and we didn't win a game. Niall Quinn took over for was interim for three, four games, I think it was. Um, and then obviously we play West Brom at home and we knew Keno was in the stand. So, you know, at the time we're thinking, Jesus, what have we, we, we better liven up or as if we don't, then you'll be out. So we knew, we, we knew what it'd be like. And, and we ended up winning that game 2-0 and that, that was the start of a good run. But um, yeah, he was, his aura was, um, huge that surrounded him um ever i think everyone knows what he's like as a player um but but no i really really enjoyed uh working under him um very intense um standards of through the roof ev- every little you know inch of training he'd, he'd watch he'd sit on the side he'd watch and just watch people every single move and you know yes it yes it did break a few course it did um people were scared to death of him um but i think uh that's that's part of your part of your character part of your makeup whether you can whether you can handle that or not and uh a few did a few didn't and um you know he ended up bringing bringing a good few few players in as a as a midfield player what was it like getting to play alongside dwight york who had obviously achieved the greatest elements of the game you think of the treble with man united was was that a bit surreal yeah, it was at the time. Yeah, you know, we walk, walked into the dressing room, and 
you know, he'd been at Sydney and he, he didn't have he didn't have to come to Sunderland. Obviously, he's got a really good relationship with, uh, with Roy Keane, so I, I'd imagine he, he persuaded him to leave the you know the sunshine and, and come to the northeast, which um, which is a big call. But yeah, he, he as uh, as much as he's a he's a legend, you know, he scored so many goals um, for Man United. Just a down to earth earth guy with um, he just brings you know humor and just so relaxed and you know it's uh, it's a different you know different kind of animal really. For yourself as well, another big achievement under Roy Keane was being handed the captain's armband. What did that feel like? Because to be handed that armband must be a proud moment at any time. But when it's Roy Keane that's handing you the armband, it must be a little bit more even. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, he must have seen some sort of leadership qualities in me um, to, to do that. But, um, you yeah, know, very, yeah, very proud moment. But... Um, it's not something you dwell on for too long. Um, within the dressing room, there's there was enough senior players that could could kind of look after the dressing room, look after you know the surroundings of of the younger players at the time. And, and my job really was just to put the armband on and, and walk out in front. That was it. Um, and then lead by example on the pitch, which which that's the kind of leader I am. I'm not a I'm not a rant. I'm not a raver. I'm not. Um, I'm not that type of leader. I'm a, I'm a leader that kind of hopefully shows shows leadership qualities in 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 the way I play. Another championship winning campaign. You're named in the PFA Team of the Year. You get to the Premier League, and I don't mean this next question as a slight on Mick McCarthy because, as you say, he, 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 to get to the Premier League with the side that he had was a phenomenal achievement. But under Roy Keane, at winning the championship that year, was there a sense that you were better prepared for the Premier League? Yeah, of course. I think you're always better prepared when you've had a little bit of experience of it and, and you felt it and you you understand the levels that you need to get to. Um I think that year that we that we went up, um and I think we've done it in a bit of style. Um we won the title on the on the last day of the season at, at Luton five 0 and you know, we was just we went on an incredible run that you know, even if we went behind in games, we knew we were gonna come back and win. It was, we just had that momentum and that confidence and an ultimate quality in the in the team and within the squad to to do that and you know momentum's huge in football and we we had that in abundance um for pretty much well yes you have your little you have your little bumps in the road on the way but on the whole you know we we were a supremely confident uh, group of players at the time Getting back to the Premier League, a phenomenal achievement. Slightly bittersweet for you in the sense that you get quite a, a bad injury early on in the in the Premier League season. Mm. What was your initial reaction when that happened? Is that your worst nightmare as a footballer, especially when the club's just been promoted to a higher level? Yeah, it, yeah, it'd be like a ton of bricks. To be honest, I think we. Um, I don't know. Did I play the first game? I think I played the first game. Yeah, I think we we beat. Did we beat Spurs? I, I can't quite remember. Um, but I think we beat Spurs and Chop scored. Michael Chopper scored. Um, yeah, and in training, I kind of and I hadn't I hadn't experienced any injuries before or any setbacks really, which which Touchwood was um, was the reason why I I was I was quite consistent and and with my with my form. But yeah, I kind of hyperextended my knee and um, I knew straight away that you know there was a problem. Um, which, which was going to be serious at the time. I didn't know how serious. I kind of walked off thinking oh, I might, I might, I might be alright for the weekend. I might, you know, it might just be a, a little tweak. And you go to this, you go to a, go to have a scan, and one says I've ruptured it, and then another says I've it's partially ruptured, and this is my ACL. Um, and ultimately, it was partially. Um, still attached so uh, it wasn't a full rupture um, so I took the option to have no surgery and put myself in a, in a brace for, for six weeks hopes it reattached uh, as much as it could for them to then start rehabilitation but um, you know that that's that six weeks in the in the brace was it was torture um, especially when you've worked so hard to get to get to where you've got to um, 
And I think I ended up being out for, I think I was out for three or four months, but I wasn't right for six, seven months, maybe after that. In terms of that, you were, you were obviously, you're known as a midfielder, but you were asked to play at fullback in that season as well, uh, which obviously you've been asked to do before and after Sunderland. What, what was it like transitioning between the role from a, from the centre of the park in the midfield area to, to fullback? Was it difficult to adjust at all? No, I don't think so. I think, I think you see a lot of modern day midfield players because the game as a midfield player the game you have to be on the half turn you have to be you have to see what's around you at all times as a fullback you've got the whole pitch in front of you and, and, and possession and and passes become easier because you can see everything and I didn't find it I didn't find it too hard at all but um, obviously when, when you've got a a tricky winger up against you who's going to stand out wide who's quick who's a bit direct and knock it past you then you know that gives you another problem but no, I didn't. I didn't find it um, too too bad uh, transition at all, to be honest. Playing regularly in the Premier League, um, one of the players I want to ask you about who arrived at Sunderland is is Dribrio Cisse. With the with the group that you had yeah. when you initially went into Sunderland in in the Championship under Mick McCarthy, to then a player like Cisse arriving, I imagine the the atmosphere was slightly different because he seems rather eccentric from the outside looking in. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, you know from 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 the year we went up the first time in the group of players, you know we we knew we that you know to be back there and to, and to be successful, which for the for the club at the time was to stay in the league, we needed better players, we needed bigger players, we needed, you know maybe we needed someone with a big ego, someone with you know a bit of flamboyance, bit a bit of quality, bit of something different, and he and he was all of those. He was all of those, um, you know, he, he'd had a good record, you know, he'd had a few bad injuries, you know, at Liverpool. And, but for us, for us to get him, for him to walk in the dressing room uh, at Sunderland at the time, we were like, wow, this club's, you know, wants to go places. Um, and yeah, he, he, he's sometimes difficult, but, you know, who, who isn't difficult? I mean, you, know, you, you find players with enormous talent that, that can be they have to be managed a little bit differently to say me you don't um i don't need managing I, you know you know what you're going to get out of me day in day out sometimes with 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 Gibral, who who's got who's highly talented um, a goal scorer flamboyant a little bit something different then he has to be managed different and and uh Roy Keane at the time done that and and you know he scored he scored goals for us and ultimately we uh we stayed in the premier league which was which was our target Roy Keane leaves the club. There's interest in you from Stoke City and a few other clubs. Was Roy leaving a big part of you wanting to take on a new challenge? Because I imagine when you're in the Premier League, when, when you're surviving in the Premier League, constant upheaval or what could become constant upheaval is, is something that you, you really don't want as a player. Yeah, um, not, not really. I think um, I just think at the time, I think I was five years in, and I just, I, I just felt that I needed a new challenge. Um, again, you, you come to a, a time at a club, and you, and you can feel your times, not not numbered, but you, you feel your times nearly done, if that makes sense. Um, so at the time, I, I, um, I spoke, I spoke to Stoke and. And I ended, I ended up moving. I ended up moving there. So it wasn't. It wasn't because Roy had left or or anything to do with the club. I just felt that was that was the time for me to to move on and, and, and let somebody else um, somebody else have a have an opportunity. Someone else, uh, obviously, Ricky Spraser comes in and, and has the job for a while. But you leave in that summer. You go on to Stoke, as you've said. What was it like when, when you joined Stoke and, and, and life under Tony Pulis initially? Because a lot of people describe him as a, a tough taskmaster, particularly when it comes to shape. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Um, I think I think moving from Sunderland to Stoke was was easy for me. Um, it wasn't like moving from Oxford to Sunderland. That, that was difficult because I didn't know whether I could handle it. I didn't know whether I could deal with the pressure, the, the size of the club, the... You know, the dressing room, but 
I think having experienced that at Sunderland and, and thrived in it, um, I felt like the move was the move was absolutely fine. I was really comfortable with it. Um, settled in very, very quickly. Good set of, good set of lads and, and a manager that's, again, like Mick McCarthy, very honest, um, would speak to you and, and his methods are his methods and, and nobody can, nobody can say anything, uh, you know, anything bad about it because, you know, his record speaks for itself and people have their own ways of, of playing. Of course they do, but you know, his, his way is, is the way he, he's successful and he, he's done that for many years. And in terms of yourself, first Premier League goal for Stoke comes against Birmingham City. You score the winner in that game. What, what was it like scoring such an important goal to get your first for the club? Yeah, firstly, did you, have you seen the goal? <laughs> I remember it, yes. Oh, it was horrific. It was, I don't know if I even got contact on the ball, but um, I think it, I, I can't remember if it's 2 1 or 3 2. It was something like that. Um, but yeah, 3 2. Being, it was. Being a, yeah, being a derby game. Um, you know, so it's always nice to to put one in the back of the net. Don't matter if it's from forty yards or half a yard. You know, they you know they all count. And yeah, and it, it you know it was it was a it was a good good team performance and a, and a good victory for us to um, you know get the the local bragging rights a little bit. You also became the first top player to score at Old Trafford in over three decades. Was that a special moment as well? Yeah, that was. Yeah, re- yeah, we. You know, we played so well that night, and um, I ended up I ended up getting the the man of the match from from the United um, corporate corporate area. So I had to go upstairs and all that. But you know, to to score in such a stadium um, packed to make it one one, and as I scored, obviously it took me towards the away fans. Um, you know, that was a you know that was a real. You know, good moment and in a moment that you know my boy's a Man United fan and uh, you know moment I won't forget really. Competition for places. Who won? Was disappointed. Competition for places is something that was always at the heart of Tony Pulis's sides. Glenn Bullen was a competitor for for a position yeah. with with yourself. How do you reflect on the FA Cup run of that season? Because you beat Cardiff, you beat Wolves, Brighton, West Ham, and Bolton to secure a place in the FA Cup final and not only beating Bolton, but hammering them 5-0 at Wembley. What a run that yeah. was. Yeah, it was, it was It was. a really, really good run. And, and for me at the time, we were kind of playing in... We were, were we playing in... No, we weren't playing in Europe. We were playing in Europe the next year, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we'd play sometimes in the early rounds. If you, if you kind of played in the league not everybody would play in, in, in the next round. And obviously that kind of continued a little bit. Um, so the team was kind of a little bit different, whether it be league or cup. And, and you know, to go on a run in that trophy that's so, um, it's so big in, in, in England, is, you know, it's the biggest trophy that, apart from obviously the Premier League and the titles, but, you know, the trophies that everybody, um, everybody looks for and, you know, to get into a into a final with you know against Man City was you know it was the build up the you know all the all the stuff that goes on before it was you know it was something special and um, you know really really proud to have to have done that. One of the aspects of Stoke that I really have to ask you about, of course, is is those games against Arsenal because Arsenal and Arsene yeah. Wenger were always known as being the the, the flamboyant football inside, whereas. It's Stoke, Tony Pulis, and yourselves as a team always seem to frustrate Wenger and Arsenal. What, what were those games like? Did you, did, did, as a squad, did you know if you went into that game, you pressed them high, that, that you would cause them trouble because they weren't necessarily used to that on a weekly basis? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a lot being said about about that sort of um, that Arsenal not like coming to Stoke. We loved them coming. We absolutely loved them. We'd let the grass grow. We'd warm up right in the middle. We'd, we'd try and make the pitch as horrible as we could. And, you know, we, we look, if, if we went and played them in a, in, a, in a football match, right, we'll have the ball, you have the ball. They would hammer us. They would play us off the park. And we knew that. So what we did, we, we'd fight them. And, and you know, they... They'd lose concentration. They'd lose focus. And Arsene Wenger on the touchline was going mad. And, you know, they just didn't like playing us. And, and we knew that. And we could get right under their skin. And, um, 
you know, we had some really good results against them. And uh, on the on the flip side, when we went to the Emirates, you know, we didn't touch the ball. But you know, when we got them at um, we got them at Stoke and at the Brit, we were a bit windy and a bit cold. We launch balls into you know into the box, throwing some Rory de Lapp. They just hated it. They hated it every second of playing against us. And you know, it it, it worked well for us because you know that they're, they're, they're miles better technically and and that than us. But what what we had was was a, a physical but fair um, game plan. Speaking of Rory de Lapp, what was he like as a footballer? Because I personally feel he doesn't get enough credit. Everyone remembers him for the for the long throws, but he was more than that as a player. Yeah, I mean, every, every, you know, if Rory de Lapp comes up, you know what you're going to say about his long throw. But, you know, he lots of qualities. Very, very fit, can get up the pitch up and down, can play in the middle, can play on the right, can play on the left. You know, he played all these positions for, for Tony at the time. And, um, you know, he, he gets... He doesn't get definitely doesn't get enough credit for his actual ability, you know, with the ball and um, not just in his hands. Absolutely, and again, a question asked you in relation to Sunderland, but it applies with Stoke as well. How did the bigger names that arrived at the club settle in? I'm thinking the likes of Peter Crouch, Michael Owen, John yeah. Carew was at the club, Jonathan Woodgate. Did those guys settle into the to the group at Stoke right away? Because I spoke to Danny Higginbottom, and, and he always talks about the the group at Stoke has been a really tight unit. Did those guys come in and immediately settle? Yeah, immediately. Um, we, the dressing room was that tight and and that together that they couldn't not. Um, and I think if you look at Crouchy's character, you look at um, Michael Owen and John Carew was brilliant. Um, just got on, just got on with the job, got in the dressing room that they're in. Because at the end of the day, we're all at this club for a reason. Whether you've been at bigger clubs and done bigger things, like Crouch been at Liverpool, done one whatever whatever he'd won and we've all come together so we're all here for a reason and and you know we had that kind of mentality that um we all stick together we all we all fight for each other and we can definitely achieve some because we had a lot of talent in there as well which we which we didn't get credit for you, you referenced the playing in europe earlier on what was that experience like with stoke because European football is, is is completely different to domestic football because obviously, as we know, you're, you're playing sides from from different countries and they they have different football and philosophies potentially compared to to clubs in the UK. How did you adapt to that experience? Because you played ten out of the twelve European games that Stoke took part in. Yeah, it was um, you know brilliant experience for me. Obviously, it was my first first kind of feel of it and experience of it and. Um, I'd imagine it had been a lot more difficult for the coaches, obviously, being a coach now in terms of analysing opposition and, you know, seeing different different styles, different aspects of the game. But, you know, we, we approached it with with the game plan that, that Tony gave us um, and we approached it like any other game, really. Um, you know, difficult in terms of you play on a, on a Sunday, Thursday, um, which... It's, it, is, it is difficult in terms of the Thursday to Sunday turnover. You know, we, we tried coming back after the game. We tried staying over and then coming back to, to enhance the recovery of, of of us players. And you know, we you know we went on a really really good run. Um, you know, we 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 went through. And we ended up obviously going out to um, Valencia, I think it was. Um, but you know, ultimately the the um the players dealt with it really well. You, we played on Astro turf. We played on grass. You know, in horrific conditions. You know, re- really, really, really good experience. You, you you were at Stoke until 2013, and and that summer you move um, to Middlesbrough. What was the the motivation for going to Middlesbrough? Was it the uh, the attraction to getting that club back into the Premier League? Because like Sunderland, they're another big club who who have been used to playing Premier League football in the past. Yeah, um, of, yeah, it was, of course. Um, obviously, my com- contract come to an end uh, at Stoke. Um, I think I was there four years. And I, I was 30 at the time, and I'm thinking, right, where do I go now? Um, I, was in, I was in Portugal at the time and had a couple of, couple of clubs interested in me at, at the time. And um, I just felt that Middlesbrough was was a club that should be like a sleeping giant in that league almost. And 
and even though I was 30, I was still ex as excited going there, you know, as I was Sunderland, um, you know, nine, nine years before that. And uh, so I still had that hunger. I knew I still had the hunger and desire and, and want to, to go and, and do well. And um, that's probably one of my most disappointing uh, seasons, the, set, the, the second season just before I, I left there. You mentioned the fact it's disappointing in the second season, and I'm assuming you're alluding to the to the playoff final, of course, where the, yeah. you're working under Aitor Karanka. Tony Mowbray had brought you in, but obviously the managerial change happens. Karanka's yeah. the manager. You go to the the playoff final at Wembley against against Norwich City, who who are managed by Alec Neil. Sum up that that game and the experience from your experience, because you, you've hinted at how difficult it was. Yeah, I mean. Throughout the season, that 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 season, obviously we had the, we had Mo, Tony Mowbray, who's, who's doing a fantastic job now at, at Blackburn. Um, we had him only till about September time, and Itor come in, and I knew Itor had, had worked with young players, so I'm thinking right to myself, don't quite don't quite fit into the, you know, to that kind of bracket. But you know, I I, I have a great relationship with him, even even now. Um, spoke to him a couple of couple of weeks ago um and um yeah we felt from the start of the season we, we we were most certainly one of the two best teams in the league i i have no shadow of a doubt and we should and we should have we should have went up automatically we shouldn't have even been in the playoffs in, in my opinion and having having beat brentford who were, who were flying at the time and uh um warburton they had a really really good 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 squad um and we beat them over two legs quite comfortably in the end. Um, so we, we were really confident going into, into the game against Norwich, which, you know, we'd beat them. I think we'd beat them twice in the league in, in, the, in the actual season. So obviously we were confident um, going into it. But we, we kind of blew it before the game kicked off, really. Um, we, stayed, we stayed at a hotel. I think it was at the golf club, the Grove, I think it was. And it was... Not sure how far it's away, but maybe maybe an hour. I'm not sure, maybe less. But we got stuck in traffic. We, you know, we had an absolute disastrous um, trip to a, to the to the stadium. Uh, we ended up getting there late. We couldn't go out on the pitch to see the pitch and, and you know get ourselves familiar with with the surroundings. The the lads that haven't haven't played there before. There was barely enough time to for everybody to get their normal preparation of, of rubs and strappings and everything like that. Um, you know, we had a an okay warm up, but it was shorter than than what we'd have liked normally. Um, and that kind of continued in the first 20, 25 minutes of the game, and we find ourselves two 0 down and and uh, a mountain to climb. And uh, unfortunately, we couldn't do it. And you know, so so disappointing. Um, from from what's been a was a really really good season. You know, turned turned so disappointing. So disappointing the way it ends at Middlesbrough, but you join Huddersfield and and let's be honest with you. Um, even uh, you might say differently because obviously you were in and around the club, but not many people in football would ever have thought Huddersfield Town could reach the Premier League. What was it like being involved in that journey and working under David Wagner, firstly as a player and will later come on to working with him as a coach? Yeah, so obviously Chris Powell, I, you know, I went to Huddersfield. I, I, live, in, I live in Manchester and, and to be honest, at the time I was 30, 32, coming on 33 and I thought, right, I, I'm, not, I'm not up in, up in the family and, and moving again. Um, you know, and... and Huddersfield come up and I was like, right, yeah, I'll, I'll I'm going to, I'm going to go there. I'm going to give my, give my all like I always do. But one of the main reasons for that was, was to, to be at home as well. Um, at that point in my career, we, I'd, I'd obviously done a bit of traveling to Middlesbrough and stayed up there a couple of nights a week and, and the, the driving and the traveling was, was taking its toll a little bit on my body. My back was a bit sore and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So that move kind of come out perfect really in terms of family life and, and getting to, and getting to the club. Yeah. So Chris Powell, um, had a, we had a poor start to the season. Um, and then David comes in, um, we, 
at, at the time we we knew nothing about him only what we read really that you know he worked under under Jurgen Klopp at Dortmund and so we hadn't we had we had no expectations but um he come in with with new ideas and as senior players there was only two senior players at the time that was me and Mark Hudson um <coughs> excuse me and he um he kind of took us took us under his under his wing really to you know to help him um help the help the players understand what he wants and and how he wants to do things and and I remember the one of the first things we did it, it kind of come around an international break and we, and we went to Marbella and you know at the time I was 33 and we we trained three times a day so in after the morning session you get some vault roll in in you to make sure you you feel all right for the afternoon and then the afternoon's done you're like well, we've got another one right we need to make sure we do everything we can to get back out there but he had so many ideas and and so many different things he wanted to get into us in a short spell of time that that we had to do it and and the lads the lads bought into it um straight away he bought into he bought in the three o'clock training of a, of a game like you you kick off at three you train at three if it was a midweek game you, you you train at seven o'clock at night and you know the lads the lads were, were finding it, it you know it was it was going to be successful so you, you kind of jump on that um and he had a kind of a mentality is if you want to get on the train get on the train if you don't want to get on the train okay that's fine don't get on the train so as a senior player and, and learning new ideas from a German coach was, and at the time I knew I'd, I'd, I'd already started my badges. So it was, it was, it was so, it was fascinating for me to, to be involved and um, play it and learn it and understand it. You know, it, it was, it was a real remarkable time. And, you know, I turned up at Huddersfield at, at the right time. One of the players I want to ask you about before we talk about that playoff final is, is Aaron Moy. He was instrumental in the championship and that campaign. Obviously, you can hear from the accent. I'm based in Scotland. He, he played for St Mirren in yeah. Scotland for for two seasons, and he was he was a decent player for St Mirren, if not spectacular. So, what was it? What was he like that season? Because I think a lot of people in Scotland were surprised to see the success that he's went on to have and and rightfully so uh, in terms of his performances because he was superb for Huddersfield and to be fair to him he's had a, a great career since yeah he has um I remember him coming in obviously he, he just signed for City and in the same day I think he he joined us on loan um I, I remember his the first the first session um with with Moisey the first session we, we were doing and obviously at the time, I think it was me and Hoggy. Um, and Hoggy's a, Hoggy's a strong, he's a strong boy. He's, he's you know, he's physical. You know, he don't take um, too many prisoners. And the first tackle, Moisey, bang, went straight through him and, and did not say a word and just carried on. And I was like, he's got literally no fear. He don't care about any anything else and he had so much quality so much quality on the ball so much calmness so much ability you know if he if he had an extra yard of pace or two you know he'd be at the top level without without a doubt at the top end of the top level with with the ability he's got he was he was unbelievable for for us um at the time um very very instrumental in in taking the club to the premier league in terms of yourself, when the club reaches the playoff final against Reading, you 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 describe the the experience you had for uh, with Middlesbrough in terms of accommodation and in that circumstance. So, as a senior player, did you play your part in informing David Wagner of that and supporting the boys in, in any way that you could as a senior player who who of course was on the bench that day? Yeah, of course. Um, that's that was a huge part role of 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 mine. Um, in terms of the the dressing room and making sure it was relaxed, making sure this, you know, we had conversations about my time at, at Middlesbrough and where we went drastically wrong and, you know, the preparations. And so we, we, we made sure that didn't happen. And um, with, with David and his, his staff and, and the due diligence that, that they do, that that was never going to happen. And, uh, we were fully prepared, well prepared, and um, 
you know, we we got ourselves over the line, which which was an unbelievable feeling for a, for a player of of my age to have to have done that again, um, with a special group of players because it all started in Sweden. I don't know if you've heard the Sweden story. No, no, no. So so a couple of days before um, the preseason of that season that we went up, um, I think we got a letter through the post that we got a report to to the airport at this certain time, we're going to Sweden for five days. I was like, okay, that's, that's all right. And they said, you don't need any boots, you don't need any pads, and there's not any footballs going. Right, okay, that's, that's interesting. So we, we, we get there, you know, we get there with all our, all the suitcases and, and, and the bags and stuff, and we get on the plane and um, we land in Sweden. We, get, we, we all get on a, on a minibus minibus to take us to, to where we were where we were staying but we didn't we weren't we weren't staying in a hotel we weren't staying anywhere anywhere in particular they, they dropped us off we had to we had new players at the time he managed to get some three or four or five German players in quite early um, and we and we stopped by this um, a big lake big lake it was and, and the the mentor coming on and, and telling us what to do he says right everybody can I have all your phones have all your phones can you pass me all your phones back please uh, and, I'll, and I'll keep them for for when you arrive back in five days so you can imagine the lads the lads without phones <sighs> absolute disaster so that's why like, I'm not sure about giving my phone it's like right the gaffer was like right all, all the phones in so you get rid of all your phones he said we got this one phone if we if we need to call um like an SOS phone so if, if, if you need anything and, and someone's in trouble or, or something or, you know, one of your family members is, is having a baby or whatever. This is, we got the one, one phone, which, which the, which the guy had. So it was like, right. Okay. So then, then obviously the, the manager then said, right, you're going in twos, you go, you're going to go with somebody you haven't um, necessarily spoke to very often um we've got new players so he wants a new player with with everybody so there's not not little there's no clicks anywhere and you get given a you get given a tent so we all had to build our tents um in this small little patch or all, all you know so you have to communicate and and, and get that all sorted and, and we stay there the night and then right he said right we're we're, we're going so we need we need to get on 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 the boats, canoes, we had, um, it was in twos and threes, but we had to work out as a group, right? We need food, we need water. So we need to put all that in different boats. So we have to separate it in, in different boats to, to get to the island that we're going to. So we do all this and off we go paddling. Four or five hours later, we get to where we want to get to. Um, we have to then build our tent again. We have to make fires. We have to, um, go fishing for some food, some, some, for some, for some fish. We could only use the water that was on the side of the, of the lake. So you have to use the lake water and boil it and do whatever you want to do with that. And, and, th and that was it really in a really big team building time for us where we had to communicate. We had to talk to each other. You know, what it's like nowadays, everybody sits on the, in, in the change rooms on the phones. We didn't have that luxury. We, we had to talk to each other. We had to, you know, everybody had to get together and, and find things to do and find things to um, to occupy ourselves. And whether that's chopping wood, that's going finding wood, whether that's doing the fire, whether that's whatever it is. Um, and and that, that was a huge bearing on on the team spirit and, and the way and the way the season went. And and obviously, that after five days, we we have to then have to get on the canoes again and six seven hours later hamming down with rain in the middle of a lake trying to row it was um it was quite surreal but um a really really interesting and um really good good time to to spend with a new squad a new manager the manager's obviously um, chuck, um chucking himself into it as well in terms of going to get things and so everybody's you know, really, really close together. And it's not, it's not just what you want to do. You might go and get some for somebody else or somebody else might get some for you. And the next day you might do it for them. And, and it just kind of, it kind of glued the group together and, and we got back and, 
um, had, a, had a pizza and um, got our phones back and still slept in the tent that night before we flew back. But no, it was, it was an experience that I've not had before. And, um, you know, really, really good for the, for the team building, for new players, for foreign players to come in and, and see what us English are like really and, and how we can help each other and how we can um, work as a team. And, um, you know, we went on to achieve special things after that. Absolutely. And that's, that's an incredible insight. And you, you, you've, you've highlighted how close together that group was at Huddersfield. Is it no real surprise then that you were able to stay up in the Premier League, beating the likes of Manchester United along the way, when you consider how how tight-knit the group was? You had an up-and-coming manager who had worked under Klopp, as you mentioned, and you recruited well in that first season in the Premier League as well. So, for, for, for obviously, from the outside looking in, everyone was stunned um, that, that Huddersfield had stayed in the Premier League. But as a group of players, did you always believe that was possible? Well, I think I think after our start, and you know, it's like after the start, after the first ten games, people are saying, saying, "Oh yeah, Huddersfield will drop off." You know, they they won't be able to sustain their form now. But you know, and then twenty games, and we're still there, and then thirty games, and we're still there, and and you know, confidence builds, and you know, the town was right behind us. The whole the whole football club, the whole community was was right behind us, and. And everyone was right behind the manager and the chairman, Dean Hoyle, at the time. Who was who was who was incredibly good with leaving leaving the the job to the manager and kind of letting him flourish and letting him, you know, work it out. Which you know it didn't take him too long, and you know recruited really really well. And you know the the journey just continued and continued, and you know an incredible incredible time to to finish my career there. In terms of your career, you you are went into coaching as we've talked about. It's a really good career when you consider that you had won the championship outright a couple of times. You had also won player yeah. player of the year awards along the way, um, runner up in the FA Cup, going up through the playoffs as well. In terms of your career, who would you say are the best players that you played with and your toughest opponents? Um, players played with. Yeah, I think I think Peter Crouch has got to be up there with his record. Um, and I, I, people would say Michael Owen, but at the time when Michael Owen come to the club, he was on a bit of a down downward spiral. I didn't see the, the best of Michael Owen, so I can't really say him in terms of a name. It probably would be him. Um, Stephen and Zonzi was was a really really good player. Um, he went on to go to Seville and, and Roma. And, you know, he's a really, really um, talented footballer at, at Stoke. Um, but he got lot, lots of talented players. Mo- Moisey, so talented. What a player he was for us in, in, in that season. Um, you know, there's so, there's so many good players that, you know, people don't appreciate their, their talent and, and what they give for the group and, and, and the team. Um, so many of those. But, you know, I can't, I can't complain about what I've... Uh, what I've achieved. And in, in terms of opponents, who were the opponents that you faced up with and you thought, wow, they're incredible? Yeah, well, you know, it's difficult. And I mean, I mean, Liverpool were always, you know, when you got Steven, Steven Gerrard in, in, in the team, yeah. Luis Suarez was, um, it, it come into the, into the club at the time when we played them. I think he scored his first goal for Liverpool against us. Um, you know, there's this, this so many Chelsea, your Arsenal's at the time when Fabregas was was unplayable. Uh, one of the best players in the in the Premier League for me when he was in that in that year or, or two years he had when he was scoring for fun before just before he went to Barca. You know, some some incredible players, some incredible teams. Um, you know, it's difficult to to pick out one. And in terms of your career, you, you've mentioned the fact that you don't look back with any regrets. What advice would you give to, to young players coming through now who who strive for that career in football and potentially strive for the Championship in the Premier League because you went from the lower leagues to the top level and, and you know what it takes more than most? Yeah, I think I think, I think any young player, I think, have no fear. Um, challenge yourself. 
you, you never know if you, if, if you think you're not good enough, you won't be. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain that you won't be. But if, if you work hard and have the right attitude and believe in yourself, then I think you can achieve anything, really. I think I, I, I take attitude over talent, maybe because I was that, that player. But, you know, even, even as a coach, um, everybody likes talented players. But I think attitude over talent for me, arguably you could say um, talent builds attitude. But I'll, I'll, for me, it, it's attitude builds, builds talent. Um, and, and that's one thing I'd say, just work hard. Um, believe in yourself and um, have no fear. Well, Dean, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. So we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave and our shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song. We'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song